Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave his five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thy wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the usuries, and within at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto them which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But unto him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye this unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Thou shalt be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated. Good morning. We've been looking at the parables over the last couple of days, and we'll continue to do that this morning. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells those within his hearing that there's going to be a time when the Son of Man is going to judge. He's going to condemn his own people. The nation of Israel has not been faithful. He says to his apostles, you can see the temple, you can see the stones, you can see the magnificence of what exists here, but all of that is going to come tumbling down. When is that going to happen? Jesus says the The angels in heaven don't know. The son doesn't know. Only the father knows exactly when that is going to happen, but the time will come. And so he's introduced this idea of a space of time 
where people are going to continue doing whatever it is that they are doing before the judgment happens. And he tells them at the beginning of chapter 25, this parable of the 10 virgins, he's trying to express to them the need for them to be prepared. Now, you don't know when, but you do know it's going to happen. And whenever it happens, you want the son of man to come and find you prepared for his coming. Chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. In verse number 14, he introduces another parable. And the point here is not that the people need to be prepared. The point here is that the people need to be productive in the interim during this space of time before the judgment happens. They need to be productive. And so Jesus says to his disciples, it is as if a man is traveling into a far country. A man who has resources, a man who has influence, and he has to take a journey. And so he he goes away to tend to his business in another place. And when he does that, he distributes his goods to his servants. He says he gives to his servants one, five talents, one, two, one, one. A talent is not the ability to sort of sing and dance. It's not the ability to... It's not the ability to speak well. A talent in this circumstance is a financial resource. A talent was equal to about 20 years of service for a common laborer. And so you can see the generosity of the master that Jesus is talking about. He says this man is traveling into a far country and he distributes his goods more than 150 years of wages he gives to three people. The first man, he says, he gives five talents. The second man, he gives two. The third, he gives only one. You might ask yourself, why doesn't he give them an equal share? Why doesn't he give into their hands an equal share of his good? Wouldn't that be only fair? But Jesus says he distributes his goods to these men based upon their several or individual abilities. Listen. The master is generous, but he's also thoughtful. He gives to each one only so much as he can handle. Why does he give a man five talents? Because that's what the man can handle. Why does he give a man two and not five? Because two is what he can handle. And so the one he gives one talent, that's what he can handle. The master is generous. And he's also very thoughtful. You know what else he is? He's trusting. He distributes these goods and he straightway takes his journey. He goes away into a far country. He doesn't give these resources into the hands of his servants and then sort of stand over their shoulders and watch what they're doing from day to day. He tells them you're responsible. He tells them to make good. And then he goes to tend to some other business elsewhere and he entrusts them with his resources. And he expects them. To do the right thing. He's a generous man. He is a thoughtful and caring man. He's also very trusting. Now these three servants. They receive their discharge. They're told this is what needs to happen. And and we see something about their character. The first two are similarly minded. They receive the resources and straightway, immediately, they go and put those resources to work. 
They're dutiful people. I mean, listen, the Lord, the master has been good to them. The Lord, the master has been kind to them. He's given them opportunity and they do not delay. They immediately take those resources and go and put them to work in the master's name. Now, the first man is given five talents. He's given five talents because that's what he can handle. He does not have time to look at the one who received two talents or the one who receives one talent and gloat. I have five and and you only have two. Look at me. I have five and, and you only have one. He doesn't have that kind of time. You know why? Because five is all he can handle. He has to use every resource, every talent, every ability all the time to make the most of his five talents. He can't be concerned about what everybody else is doing. And so he immediately goes and puts those resources to work. The fellow who has two, you know, if he were like some people, he'd look at his two and he'd wonder, well, why does he get five and I only get two? See, some folks would waste time wondering, well, why didn't I receive these particular talents? He got the two. You know why he got the two? Because that's what he could handle. He didn't have time to look at the man who had five and be envious. He didn't have time to look at the one who had only one and begin to gloat. He immediately took those two talents and went to work doing the master's business. Using the two that he had. All the resources, all of the ability, all of the time that was afforded to him. He took those two and he earned two more. He's a dutiful man. He's a diligent man. He's a faithful man. The third fellow. He's a little different than the first two. Now, he's only got the one. And instead of immediately going and putting that talent to work, instead of immediately going and making sure that he was productive during the time that his master was away, the text says he takes the one talent that he has and he goes and he buries it in the earth. You know, no one was going to know that the master had given him anything. He immediately goes and buries it in the earth. No one was going to know that he had the resources. No one was going to know about his master's generosity. No one was going to benefit from the trust the master had given to him. Now, the master's not looking over his shoulder. The master doesn't have that kind of time. He's got things to do elsewhere. This man knows that these other folks have received the same things at trust, a stewardship. He knows other people have received the same thing. He can see that other people are putting the Lord's resources to work. And he buried his in the ground. After a long time, the text says after a long time, the master returns. Now He's gone away into a far country. You know, if he's gone into a far country, then it takes some time to journey there. He takes some time to do his business there. It takes some time to come again. And and maybe it's taken longer than they expect, you know. They don't know exactly when he's going to come. And the text says it took a long time. 
If it takes a long time, sometimes folks become complacent. You know, I don't know exactly when somebody's coming and you can be diligent. You can be faithful for a day or two or a week or two, a month or two, a year or two. Maybe you can be faithful and diligent for a space of time. But at some point, some folks will look up and say, listen, I don't know. I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to take a break here. I'm going to rest here. I'm going to stop because I don't know when the master is going to return. But he does return. You know why he returns? Because these are his people and these are his talents. He has entrusted them. This is a stewardship. And whenever you have a stewardship, there has to be a reckoning. And so he comes again. When he comes, he receives a different reception from these three men. I want you to pay attention to this. The same master, the same spirit, the same opportunity, but he receives a different reception from his stu- from his uh, servants. I want you to ask yourself why. The first and the second, the man with the five talents and the two, they're excited to see the master. And so when the master comes, they run up to him and they say, Master, look, you you gave me so many talents. You gave me five. I took the five you gave me and I worked with them. I labored with them. And here are the five you gave me. And here are five more that I've earned besides. Here's ten talents. Look at the work that I've done. Look at the productivity that I've had. This is yours, what you gave me and more. This is the increase. They're excited to see the master. The man who had two talents, he's excited as well. You gave me two and you know what I did? I was not able I was not able to earn five talents of increase. You gave me two. You know what I did, though? I took those two and I labored with those two and I worked with those two and I earned two besides. Here's the two you gave me and two more of increase. They're excited. To see the master's face. Why? They love him. They respect him. They've served him faithfully. They've garnered increase. They want to please him. They're excited to see his face. And the master is excited to see them. Well done. Good. Faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He's glad to see them. He's pleased with their work. He receives them. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He invites them to be with him. Look at the reception that he receives. And look at the reception that he gives. Now contrast that with the third fellow. He approaches his master. And he says, uh, Master, I knew you. I knew the kind of man you are. I know that you're a hard man. I know that you have some unreasonable expectations. You expect to reap where you didn't sow. You expect to return where you haven't made an investment. You kind of expect something for nothing. I know the kind of man that you are. So here is the one talent you gave me. I give it back to you. It's got a little dirt on it. I understand that. We can wipe that off. I give you what you gave to me. I was afraid of you. That was the 
Well, that was his reception of the master. The master's been gone for a long time. He's loved him. He's trusted him. He's given him opportunity. And that's the reception the master receives. Now, how does the master receive him? He says, if you knew, if you knew that I was a hard man, if you knew that I was an unreasonable man, if you knew that I was the kind of person who expects a return where he's made no investment, you should have taken the money. You should have taken my resources. And you could have put that money in the bank. You could have given that money to the exchangers. And I would have had my own with interest. I mean to say, if you really believe that about me, the last thing you would do is show up to see me without presenting me with any return at all. He says you knew. He's not confirming that this man is right in his assessment. What he's saying is the term that's used there in the original, if you perceived that. If that's the judgment that you made about me, then your behavior, your conduct is, is, is inconsistent with that assessment. No, you have been, listen to it, you have been wicked, he says. You have been slothful, he says. The one talent that he has, take it from him. Take the one talent from him and give it to the man who now has ten. You have been wicked. You have been unfaithful. You have been derelict in your responsibility. There's always going to be a reckoning. The first two are received by the master, invited into his joy. Invited to abide in his presence. The third man, he says, cast him out into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, the first two men are received into a reward. The third man is repelled into punishment. Why? Same master. Same opportunity. You see, two had been faithful. One had been unfaithful. Sometimes we look around in the world and we see people being treated. We think they're being treated differently. You know, we say, well, listen, I've got uh, parents and I've got and they've got multiple kids and they treat some this way and that way. You know, I work in a certain setting and it seems to me that uh, that the boss is treating some people this way and some people another way. Or I'm in school and it seems to me that the teacher is treating some people this way and other people in this way. And, uh, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's because the folks are being favorites. You know, they're playing favorites. Maybe they're partial to certain people. That's possible. But I want to ask you, is it also possible that folks are treated differently because they behave differently? Is that also possible? See, the master here is the same. He's prepared to reward them in a similar way. They behave differently. So they're treated differently. That is the... Uh, the story that Jesus gives. I mean, that's the parable. That's the 
He lays that down. Everybody can understand that. Everybody can see that. What's his point? Jesus gives this parable because he is going to take a journey himself. He is the one who's going to go away into a far country. You remember in John chapter 14, he says to his disciples that he's going to go away. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. He says, I'm going to go away, but if I go away, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, 1 to 3. He's going to go away into a far country, so to speak. And in the interim, he distributes talents. He gives gifts and abilities to his disciples, and he expects his disciples, while he's away, to take those talents, to take those gifts, to take those abilities, and put them to work in his name. So that when he comes again, he will receive what he has invested in them with increase. Same opportunity. See, God has blessed every one of us, every one of us in the ways that we can handle. And every one of us has our hands full with what we've been given. I I sometimes hear people sort of have consternation and get turned around because they don't have the ability, the talent to do something that somebody else can do. Listen, God knows what we can handle. He's given every one of us so much as we can handle. And he gives every one of us. Listen, he trusts us. He's conscientious and caring. He's generous to all of us. The question can never be what we don't have. The question is always, what are we doing with what we do have? We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but we know he is going to return. And so some of us have been laboring for some space of time. We, we've been in Christ and trying our best to be productive for a month or a year, some for 10 years. Listen, some for 50 or 60 years. We have to continue to be faithful in our service. Why? With each of these parables, with each of these parables, what Jesus is doing is he's trying to explain how God expects people to live in his kingdom. He's explaining how God expects people to conduct themselves if they're under the influence and the reign of God. But I want you to notice something. He's not just telling them what they are supposed to do. He's also telling them why. And everything is rooted in the character of God. Why are we to be faithful? Why are we to be diligent in our service? Why are we to be sure that when Jesus comes again, we can give him what he has given to us with an increase? Why? Because God rewards faithful service. That's why. Don't uh, don't become weary in well-doing. 
Don't give up or give out. The reason is because we know and trust God. Jesus has gone away for a space of time. I can't tell you when, and some people will try, but they don't know. He's gone for a space of time. He's not standing here looking over our shoulders. He's not micromanaging what we do from day to day. He's not telling us directly how we're supposed to invest the minutes and the hours and the days, the months and years until he comes again. He's trusting us to do what needs to be done. He's a good master. The question, what kind of servant are we? I think sometimes we can be discouraged by what we can't do. I say to you, never allow what you cannot be, cannot do to be an excuse for not doing what you can do. How are you using the investment that Jesus has made in you? How are you using it? I think that uh, we can use the gifts that God gives us to do a lot of things. And I hope that, you know, you're applying the gifts that God gives you in your secular work. You know, whatever it is that you have to do, you do it as if you're doing it for the Lord himself. You know, you serve and you're diligent in your secular work. But sometimes what I find is that people will go wholeheartedly into their secular work, giving all of their time, all of their talents to make sure that they're productive in that arena. And then when it comes to the Lord's work, you don't get that same kind of investment. I don't think Jesus is going to care too much how much money we've made. I don't think he's going to care a whole lot about the kind of title or status that we can reach in our secular occupations. I think he's going to care about the kind of return that he receives in his kingdom. What about you? I mean, I think that's what he's going to be concerned about. I have seen sometimes the church make investment in people. And maybe it's uh, some of the young people, you know, and so they grow up in a congregation where the, the members are investing in them and they're doing last of leaders and other things like that. And so we're trying to help bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're trying to help make sure they're invested in the work and, and that they know what it means to be a faithful servant. And the church does that. And then some of those young people will go off to college, you know, and the church will pray for them and send them care packages and be surrogate parents to them and make sure they can get back and forth to the services and give them a place to hang out, you know, on the weekends. And they can bring all their friends over there. I've seen all of that. And then those same people, you know, they get their degree and maybe they get an advanced degree and then you turn around and you can't even get them to teach a Bible class. I've seen that. Some people bury their talent. You know, I've seen people, the cry goes out and they say, listen, we need teachers. You know, we've got these different classes for kids and we need teachers. We need people who are willing to come and to teach these kids. And, and the cry goes out one week, two weeks, three weeks. And somehow or another, we don't seem to have the people, but we have the people. You know, you say, hey, listen, we've got Bible classes that need to be taught for the adults. And I've seen people sit on their hands and act like God is talking to everybody except them. Everybody except them. I 
I don't say that to castigate anybody. I don't know what you guys are doing. But I do say you need to ask yourself, do not assume that because you're here that you're faithful in your service to God. Don't assume that. Take inventory of your own life. Take inventory of what God has done for you. Take inventory of the investment that he's made and ask yourself, ask yourself if Jesus were to show up and he wanted to ask me about the return that I've given to him, what would I say? Could I say to him, Lord, I see I've taken inventory. I see all the investment that you've made in me and I've given myself. I've been diligent. I've been consistent. I've been faithful. Here's what you gave me and here is the return on it. Could you say that to him? Or would you have to show up and start making excuses? An excuse is, uh, is only valid if the person you offer it to excuses you. I think sometimes we think if I just say something, people have to No, God doesn't have to accept anything that we say. You know, an excuse is only effective if the person you offer it to excuses you. And the one man who had the one talent, he offered an excuse and God didn't excuse him. This is uh, I think this is a great opportunity. See, this morning, this is a great opportunity. For you to think about, for you to meditate on. The kind of master that you serve. Has he been generous with you? Has he been conscientious and thoughtful? Has he been trusting? If that's the kind of master God has been to you. Now ask yourself, what kind of servant have I been to him? Have I given him my first fruit? Have I grown weary in my service? Have I stagnated somehow? Have I have I sort of begun to sit on my hands? Again, I don't say that to castigate anyone. You guys, maybe every one of you has been as diligent as you could possibly be for your whole lives. Maybe that's true. But I know sometimes there have been some times in my life where if I take inventory like that, I think to myself. I may need to rearrange some things. I may need to. I may need to cut out some things so I can make a deeper investment in my service to God. I think God could get a greater return on my life if I were to make some adjustments. And I've seen that in my life, and maybe you've seen that in yours. It's worth it to be faithful, diligent, consistent in our service. I don't know when Jesus is going to come again, but I do know when he does come again, there will be a reckoning. And we all want to hear Well done, good, faithful servant. We all want to hear him say, you have been faithful over a few things. Because this is just a few things that we have here in this life. I'll make you ruler over many things. That's what we all want to hear. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't be distracted. Don't bury your talents. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sin and for yours. He entered into his creation to show us what it means to be faithful to God. He laid his life down to pay the price for my sin and for yours. 
He took his life up again to defeat death and to show us that we can defeat death as well. And then he went back into heaven. For a time. He will come again and he will receive his people to be with him throughout eternity. He is the son of God. If you believe that the Bible says God gives those who believe the power to become the children of God. John chapter one. It's not that those who believe in God are the children of God, unless you understand belief the right way. He says he gives those who believe the power to become the sons of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins, you change your life so that your life comes into conformity with his will. You change your life so that your life comes into conformity with his will. You change your life so that your life comes into conformity with his will. If you would like to be a child of God, you can change your mind right where you are. But you'll have to open your mouth and say that I believe Jesus is the son of God. The Bible says that confession moves you closer to being saved. You'll have to be baptized to have your sins washed away. The reason you have to be baptized to have your sins washed away is that's the way God set it up. That's the way he set it up. He expects us to die in a figure, the old man, the one, the life that we're walking away from. He expects us to die in a figure so that we can be raised to walk in newness of life. That's called being born again. And once we've been born again, we have to serve God faithfully diligently, consistently for the remainder of our lives. One of these days, Jesus is going to come again. And we all want to hear him receive us. Well done, good and faithful servant. In the meantime, we have to do well. We have to be good. We have to be faithful. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.